Hey, it's Chris. Well, this is weird. I'm sitting at my desk in front of an iPad that's hooked up to a studio display. And this has been my setup for the last several days. And you know what? It's been a little bit weird, but it's also been a little bit great. I feel like I'm on the frontier and I'm exploring some new territory and nobody's really been here yet. And there's a lot of stuff to write back home about and tell people about. So the reason that I've got this set up is, number one, I can. This is because of the iPadOS 16.2 beta. So there's that, but I'm also obviously working on a video where I'm gonna talk about what it's like to use. And you know, I'm kind of like, I, I sort of had an outline done for this and the it was kind of gonna be like, well, what is it like? And I actually think I'm gonna retool this a little bit and make it more of like a how-to. There's a lot of complaining going on right now. Oh, it's not perfect. Well, yeah, it's in beta. It's not officially publicly released yet. So I'm not gonna be the one to sit there and harp on it and say, well, what about all these bugs? It's in beta. But I think what actually would be more interesting to people is if you're interested in this, how do you use it? And then also I'll pepper in some like, what is it like type of observations as well. Because it's been you know, a bit of a learning curve as I'm getting in here. And here's, I'm going to already just give you like one of the main observations out of my upcoming video on this. And it's this, if you're coming from a Mac and you try this, then you're going to think it's weird simply because it's not what you're used to. But if there was a person who started with this setup, this iPad setup hooked up into an external monitor, and that's just what you always knew, you know, like maybe a student who's coming up, this is a plausible scenario, right? Then this would just be the way things were. It would feel normal. So when someone's like, this isn't as good, well, as good as what? As good as what you're used to on the Mac? Well, it's different. It's just different. So, and I'll also just tell you one of the, I guess like my one main annoyance with this so far, because obviously, you know, like there's, there's the hardware aspect, you know, hooking this up to an external display and I'm using Apple's own display studio monitor. So everything's working like really well in that regard, but there's also the software side of things, and that has to do with Stage Manager. Stage Manager is basically what makes this whole thing run in the first place, and of course, you know, it's hitting the virtual memory swap and all that too to, to make this all happen, but nevertheless, because you have to use Stage Manager to make this work, I, like many other people, have found it very annoying that I can't just resize windows exactly how I want. It's actually not even the resizing of the windows that bugs me as much as it's the placement of the windows, because in the apps. You can't just put an app wherever you want on the screen. Yes, they can overlap and stuff, and you can like move them from side to side and kind of up and down, but iPadOS just picks kind of arbitrarily where it's going to put stuff, and that's really frustrating. I think if Apple just got rid of that, that arbitrary placement, then I think everyone would be really happy about this because it feels like Apple's forcing something on you, which then feels restrictive, even though it doesn't have to feel that way, doesn't need to feel. If they just made that one change, it would make this 90% better. And then there's like 10%, you know, of these other little tweaks that can be made, you know, that people have complained about. It's just like Apple's mostly there. It's just like this last mile that they have to go in terms of thinking through, well, how should this thing actually work? And the, the complaints are well-documented. So again, I don't want to really focus on that, but I got to say, I'm kind of liking it. I'm, I'm on the verge of almost loving it. I can't say I quite love it yet. The whole thing with stage manager, you know, you have the stage, which is what's right in front of you. And then you have these piles of apps that sit over off to the side. I actually really like that arrangement because there are some apps that I like to use together 
and then to be able to swap those out for some other apps and keep them all grouped together that maybe I'll use all together. So like right now for the podcast, I've got Reader, which is R-E-E-D-E-R, which is actually hooked into my Feedbin account, which is kind of one way that I track all the Apple blogs in there. I've got that open on my actual iPad. And the iPad's sitting in front of me on the Magic Keyboard, by the way. There's so many different ways that you can arrange this, and I'll talk more about this in the video. But then I've got my Apple Notes open, so I can check out what's going on with the podcast there. Uh, you know, every week I keep an, a note with stuff that I want to mention on the podcast open. So I got that. I got Twitter open because there's something from Twitter I want to talk about. And I also have Safari because I've got something pulled up there that I want to talk about. So I've got all that stuff up and that's sort of what's right in front of me. But then if I want to switch and, uh, and I'm learning a little bit how to do this. For a while, I thought that, that it was a bug. I was like, why aren't the piles of apps showing up over on the side of the monitor? They were on the iPad. You know, I don't know if you've seen Stage Manager yet, but, you know, there's some apps sitting there. You can turn that on or off, whether they show up or not. But up on the display, they weren't showing up. And it's like, what in the world? But I learned that you have to put your monitor over to the side and then kind of swipe off a little bit. And then they shoot out. And then you see all your app stacks, your piles there. So over there, I've got, you know, just just a bunch of different workflows. It's really cool. I've been using MindNode on here to organize stuff. And I really have been loving using MindNode on the display in combination with the new Freeform app. I got a video coming out on Freeform next week too, which is Apple's new app. It's sort of like a whiteboard app that kind of, <laughs> I'm not gonna say Sherlocked, uh, if you, are, you know what that term refers to, but it did borrow some ideas from several prominent apps, things like Muse, things like Infinite Canvas, you know, some mood boarding apps, kind of put all that into one thing and made it a collaborative space. I'm gonna use it, even though I'm not gonna be doing some collaboration because I just kind of like it. I just like the feel of it. So I've found that I can kind of make, you know, scratch out some notes on Freeform with the Apple Pencil, which is really cool, right in front of me. And then I can also more concretely organize my ideas into like a script or something using MindNote, which is the mind mapping app. Really like that setup. And that that is one of the cool things here is being able to use that Apple Pencil, having it available for me whenever I need it. And so you know, one thing that I'm doing is while I've got this hooked into the monitor, I can easily rip it off of the keyboard and like sign a contract, you know, which I just did the other day or, you know, make some notes or, or sketch something out and then slap it back on the keyboard and the, the monitor stays hooked up and it's all good. It's cool. It really makes the Apple Pencil more prominent in my workflow. And it, you know, if you just look at it and you don't look too closely, you almost think this is a Mac setup when you look at the display because you still kind of have that dock on the bottom and this nice wallpaper. So it's very familiar, but it's also a bit foreign and uh, it just requires rethinking, relearning a few things, you know, a little bit like, you know, I was speaking of my note, I was trying to export something so I could send it to another team member. And it was like, how do I export this thing? And it took a lot of digging. I finally figured it out, you know, because I just know from experience how to do these things on the Mac side of things. But now I'm getting that experience. And I think that's one of the things. Are people going to want to invest in getting the experience that's necessary to uh, have this kind of setup, to make a go of it, to make it useful? I guess that's the big question. And that's probably, in a way, the iPad's biggest hurdle, I think, whether people want to learn a different way of doing things. And that's probably why you hear people just say like, well, just give me Mac OS on the iPad. Anyways, this is cool. And I'm looking forward to sharing more thoughts about that. I gotta tell you something else that's sitting right in front of me that I'm really, really into is something that I featured in the newsletter, actually, mm, not last week, but the week before that. And so I guess today's Friday, so we're gonna have a new newsletter. So actually this will be like three newsletters ago 
But uh, I featured this thing. It's called the Alti Wireless Charging Desk Mat. A-L-T-I, Alti. They sent it over so I could check it out. I requested it. I said, hey, you want to send it over? I got the black version. There's also a light gray version. So this is a desk mat, but it's not just a desk mat. It's, and I'm surprised at myself for even like, it's just a desk mat, but it's made a huge difference on my desk here. First things first, it's reversible. So there's a felt side, and then I don't even know what's on the other side. Let me see. Is it just kind of like a leather, plastic, or some fake leather? I don't know. So you can customize that. You can you can have it whatever you want. I got the, the felt up, and it's nice. One reason I like it is because my Magic Mouse, if you know, I don't know if you've ever noticed that it kind of has these two lines on the bottom and they're not sharp but they kind of shave the top layer of my wooden desk off a little bit and it, some gunk builds up and I hate that and I don't want to use a mouse pad you know like it's 1992 and uh, so just having that that is really nice here because uh, it basically does act like a mouse pad without having to have that but this has like some superpowers okay so there's I can peel up this felt and there's a place where I can store stuff in between the two layers you know, the reversible layers. So it's for like putting sticky notes or papers or something that declutters your desk. So you have it there. You can lift it up and peek at a note or, you know, store something under there, something flat like a piece of paper, and also not have to see it all the time. That's really cool. On top of that, it also has this magnetic strip that uh, attaches on the left-hand side of the desk mat. And so it's not just a desk mat, it's also a charger. It's got a place to wirelessly charge my AirPods. It's got like a little indentation up at the top where they fit right in and charge. And then it's also got a MagSafe area that, you know, my iPhone, I just set it down there and it goes and it magnets on there. That was a bad uh, sound there. That's not what it sounds like. But uh, it's really cool. So it stays in place while it's charging. I love this thing. I'm going to feature it in a video uh, sometime soon. I'm trying to acquire a few other Mac accessories. Uh, I've got some other stuff on the way before I do that. But man, it's cool. This, this desk, it's crazy how much you can change things up from time to time with just a few little tweaks. <laughs> I got to tell you about one thing that's really funny. Uh, before we get to uh, some other Apple stuff, there's this service called Scribd. It's S-C-R-I-B-D. And I found out about it years and years and years ago, probably over a decade ago. And uh, when I was working at a magazine and we were using it to upload magazine issues, but it's changed a lot over the years. I don't even know what it does these days, but people still upload documents to it. And I found a document I wanted to read, some really obscure document that someone had uploaded here probably a long time ago. And I didn't want to sign up for a script account so that I could download the thing. They wanted me to sign up in order to download it. And so I was like, well, let me try to copy and paste the stuff out of it into like a note or something. <laughs> so, and then I'll just like print it or have it or save it into a different format myself. Well, I copied it and I pasted it. And it was so funny. The engineers over there at Scribd, they were like, well, what are people going to do to get around this? They might copy and paste it. When I pasted it, all these crazy emojis got inserted annoyingly, but also I laughed. Uh, you know, like every few words. <laughs> Things like lip emojis. I don't know what other ones. They were like kind of like obnoxious emojis. And <laughs> I got to say, it was really annoying, but it was also pretty funny because you know here was a use case some engineer or team engineers was like you know what we're gonna do this and this is gonna be so annoying for somebody and it was and they totally ruined what i was trying to do there but i gotta give them credit i mean that is pretty funny so i'm angry but i laughed i gotta tell you something else 
about this week. I put out uh, the video on the studio display, which is, yes, seven months late uh, with my thoughts on it. But something interesting about this video is I shot it in ProRes on my iPhone 14 uh, Pro Max, and I really ended up not just liking the footage. I loved the footage, the way it looked coming out of the phone. It was so convenient. You know, I've got a Moment MagSafe tripod adapter thing. So it's just like, you know, stick this. I got a light tripod too that I keep up in in my office. And uh, it actually is so light that I can't put my normal camera with the big lens on it because then it like tilts down. (laughs) I can't even tighten it enough to make it not tilt. But it's really lightweight. It's perfect for the iPhone and just moving it around, you know, it's really my portable thing to bring with me on trips or whatever. But so I, I was like, you know, I don't want to bring up my whole camera setup just to film this. I'm going to try it on here, but I'm going to shoot it in ProRes. So maybe it'll look as good as possible. And I didn't actually expect it to make much of a difference. I was using Filmic Pro here because I've shot in, you know, like Filmic Extreme, like as good as possible, but not ProRes. You know, I've shot that kind of footage many times. And it's like, I can always tell it's an iPhone and it's okay like if i if i don't have another camera around it's usable you know i was like i'm gonna try the ProRes because i can and uh immediately i ran into all kinds of problems two huge problems but i just have to say the footage looked really good and if the iphone had any kind of depth of field you just wouldn't even be able to tell that it was uh iphone footage it's really great for wide angle stuff where you don't need depth of field and you're not shooting, you know, like if I'm shooting my A-roll, which is like me, the talking head stuff, I use a lens on there and a special filter to at least get a little bit of a blur on that wooden wall that's behind me in the studio, even though the camera is very close to me. And, and it's nice. It separates the subject from the background. It looks good. And you can't do that very well with an iPhone. That's why you have this artificial software driven, you know, fake blur. But for ultra wide stuff or, or just like wide angle stuff where you don't need that separation. You just got to show everything in the frame. Wow. This is cool. Now here's the problem that I ran, ran into and you can go see the footage from the thing and like, it looks pretty cool. And I used some lights that really were like colorful, picked up the colors really well. The ProRes edited really well in Final Cut Pro. But if you've ever shot in ProRes on an iPhone and try to get it off, it's horrible. These files are so big. I think it's something like six gigs for every minute that you record. It's enormous, just huge how big the files are. So it ate up the storage on my iPhone. And I got a decent storage here. I mean, it ate it up so fast. So there's that. But then trying to unload it, it's like there was just a disconnect. My computer couldn't handle it. So you plug it in, you go to the files, you know, you you navigate to your phone in the left-hand side on your Mac and you go to your phone and then you go to the files and then you select uh, Filmic. This is how you unload it. Usually... Uh, when I'm not shooting in ProRes, I can just grab like the 10 files or 20 files or whatever and drag them off into a folder that I can then import into my project. Here, it had an error if I did anything more than one at a time. And these were so big. And by the time I figured that out, I wasted so much time on this. And I couldn't go back and reshoot everything. I didn't want to do that. So it's like, what's the bigger pain? To set everything back up and use my other camera just so I can import this stuff faster or to sit here and drag these files one by one to get them to import. Well, that's what I did. I stuck with it and I'm glad I did. But some of these files were taking 20, 30 minutes to copy because they were just so enormous. So it left me with the impression that, wow, because uh, I'd never really seriously been using the ProRes, you know, relying on it. It was always kind of like, well, here's a cool feature that you could use if you want to. And, you know, I didn't figure that it would make much of a difference, like I said, because you know, the difference between like filmic extreme and just like filmic decent quality, 
it was always like, oh, so, so you can still kind of tell. This made a huge difference. Like the footage looked really very nice, but the offloading was just horrendous. So it got me thinking, yeah, yeah, we really got to get rid of the lightning. It just can't handle this, especially on the Pro. I don't understand if the, the lightning, it's almost fine. You know, there's annoyance if you have other USB-C devices and you wish that you could have, you know, one cord to charge all your stuff. There's that annoyance, which is a rather small annoyance to me, you know, but, but then there's this on the Pro devices. If you're going to make use of this Pro camera, you really do need a better way to transfer huge files off because, man, I would use this for everything, like a, a, for stuff. And it was really clear, you know, in, in fairly a pretty dark situation, just how clear and crispy things looked. I was so impressed. Okay, let's move on. Um, you know, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this whole ads in the App Store thing, or I guess Apple and ads in general. I've never been a super fan of Apple being involved with advertising in the first place, because as I've mentioned many times in the past, why would I pay for something like Apple News and still get ads? That doesn't make sense. I don't like that. I quit using Apple News a long time ago because it shows me things I don't want to see, even when I say I don't want to see these things, including ads and just editorial stuff. But people are now upset. And by people, I mean like developers, you know, obviously, you know, personalities that you would know, news outlets, that Apple's been including ads within the App Store. Like in the in the you might also like section, you probably have seen that. So uh, I think the developers are mad because they're like, hey, on the product page, it's starting to recommend like junky things, like online casino type of stuff. So Marco Arment, who's uh, behind you know a big app that you've probably heard of, he says, yeah, I'm sure Apple would be totally okay with salespeople hanging out in Apple stores next to all the nice Apple products, wearing sandwich boards, and yelling at customers about their online casino gambling app as they try to shop. Basically, he's saying like you know, this would be terrible if there was something, some physical equivalent in an Apple store and, you know, like an actual Apple store. And here we have the app store, which you have this digital space and you're getting like crazy ads here. Well, yeah, yeah, it is dumb. And Apple, they really have no business being in the app or in the ad industry. I don't think at all. Yeah. And you're noticing all these different earnings reports came out here recently and tech company after tech company was down. The stock was down. They had lost money. And then there was Apple making record quarterly profits once again. Well, they don't need to be in the in the ad business. They're doing fine without it. And, you know, they're successful. They're trying to branch out. I get it. But they're always saying, hey, we're doing this for the customer, you know, like privacy for the customer. Well, this isn't for the customer. This is not, not cool. And then on top of that, you have people being like, well, here's Apple basically torpedoing Facebook and Facebook ads because of the privacy rules that they're implementing, which, you know, affects Facebook's revenue, they're kind of at war, these companies, right? And then on the other hand, you know, the left hand is torpedoing the competitors and the right hand is offering up, hey, a new alternative. <laughs> you know, it's just a weird situation all around that could go away instantly if Apple just got out of the ad business. One thing that's uh, kind of interesting that I saw come across the news here uh, back on the 24th was that Best Buy has launched a Mac upgrade program that 9to5Mac says is the one you've been waiting for that Apple should have made itself. So the idea is that, you know, if you go to a cell phone carrier and you want to, you know, maybe not have to buy the iPhone outright, you want to make like monthly payments or something like that, then you can do that for an iPhone. But you can't really do that for the Mac. For the Mac, you've always basically been needing to just kind of pay it all up front. So Best Buy now is going to change that. They got this new 
Upgrade Plus program. And what it is, is a program to give MacBook users an option to upgrade their, their MacBook every three years with interest-free monthly financing. Now that's kind of cool, the interest-free part, right? And every three years, that's pretty much uh, how long, you know, when, when I was back in the business world and, and actually had a job uh, where I worked for somebody else, whew, which I'm glad I don't anymore, that's how long they would use uh, equipment before deprecating it, before saying, okay, that's depreciated and uh, you can get a new one now. So that's kind of like the standard thing, three three years. So basically, if you wanted to take advantage of this, you would go in, you apply for your financing, and then you get 36 equal monthly payments. Again, interest-free, but it's all based on your credit. Then in month 37, you get one final payment that's due based on the original purchase price, and then you'll have a few options. You can upgrade to a new Mac by returning the original MacBook to Best Buy, so you don't get to keep it, you can uh, make a final monthly payment and keep that original MacBook if you want to, or you can return that original Mac, uh, MacBook to Best Buy and just leave the program and be done. So those are the options. So like if you were gonna get, uh, let's say you were gonna do a MacBook Air, that's like $999. Your monthly payments would be like $19.99 a month for 36 months. And then you'd have a final payment in month 37 of 280 35. So you got to watch out for that final month there. Let's say uh, like a 14 inch MacBook Pro. That's what I've got right here. That's my main uh, MacBook Pro. Of course, I upgraded it way more than this. This is kind of like the base model, I think, but uh, that costs $1,999. So your monthly payment there would be $43.34 for 36 months with a final payment of $440 on month 37. So, um, you know, it's interesting. That certainly does help uh, more people get access, I guess, to these really powerful devices. All right, to wrap things up here, I just wanna note that it's interesting. You know, the iPhone 14 Plus has not been selling well. The iPhone 14 Pros, however, Apple can't make enough of. They they literally aren't able to make enough to meet demand, which is kind of crazy. This was announced at the Q4 earnings, but uh, you know, Cook actually said, we're constrained right now on the 14 Pro and the Pro Max and have been from the day we launched. And so obviously we're chasing supply there and trying to get as much supply as we can to solve the demand. This is so funny because the Android people, and I don't care, if, if somebody likes Android, that's great. But they're like, the iPhone's so boring, doesn't even fold, it just gets like a spec upgrade, keep the design forever, oh, what's this dynamic island, nothing changed, why are people buying this? People are buying, not just the iPhones, but the most expensive top-level iPhones that there are. There's a reason Apple does the things the way that they do, right? Consumers vote with their wallets and they're voting like crazy for the pros and the pro max. Just something uh, interesting there, interesting to note. All right, that is it for today's podcast. Thanks for hanging out. Don't forget to check out the newsletter and I'll catch you in the next video. Later.